Welcome to another adult Bible study guide exploring the book of Job. Written by Clifford Goldstein. Edited for audio and produced by the Ambassador Group. Narrated by Byron Phillips and Lynette Newhart. Exploration 13. The Character of Job. Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? James chapter 2, verse 22, the New King James Version. In the midst of all the major issues touched on in the book of Job, we mustn't lose sight of another important theme, that of Job himself. Who was this man whom the Lord trusted so much that he challenged the devil over his faithfulness and integrity. Who was this man who did not understand why all this was happening to him, who knew that what was happening to him wasn't fair, who expressed anger and frustration over it all, and yet stayed faithful right through to the end? While the essence of the book of Job dealt with Job after the calamity struck, from this story we can pick up information about Job's earlier life. And what we learn about Job's past and the kind of man he was gives us a greater understanding of why Job stayed faithful to the Lord, even amid all the terrible suffering, even amid everything Satan did to try to turn him away from God. What was Job like? And what can you learn about how he lived that can help make you a more faithful follower of the Lord as you live your life. The Man from Uz. Listen to Job chapter 1 and verse 1, and Job chapter 1 and verse 8. What do these verses tell you about the character of Job? Job chapter 1 and verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God with reverence, and abstained from and turned away from evil, because he honored God. Verse 8. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered and reflected on my servant Job? For there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God with reverence, and abstains from and turns away from evil, because he honors God. Though Job had been told all through the dialogues that he must have done something wrong, in order for all this evil to come upon him, the opposite appears to be the case. It was his goodness, his faithfulness, that made him the special target of Satan. How good and how faithful was he? First, the text tells us that he was perfect. That word does not have to mean sinless, as was Jesus. It comes instead with the idea of completeness, integrity, sincerity, but in a relative sense. 
The person who is perfect in the sight of God is the person who has reached the degree of development that heaven expects of him or her at any given time. The Hebrew word for perfect, tam, is equivalent to the Greek word teleos, which is often translated perfect in the New Testament, but which is better translated full-grown or mature. The SDA Bible Commentary, Volume 3, page 499. Job's later experiences reveal that he had not reached the ultimate perfection of character. Though faithful and upright, he was still growing. Second, the text says he was upright. The word means straight, level, just, right. Job lived in a way that he could be called a good citizen. Third, the text says he feared God. Though the Old Testament portrays the idea of fearing God as part of what being a faithful Israelite was all about, the phrase was also used in the New Testament for Gentiles who faithfully served the God of Israel. A reference for this is Acts chapter 10, verses 2 and 22, describing Cornelius, a devout man and one who, along with all his household, feared God. He made many charitable donations to the Jewish people and prayed to God always. Verse 22, they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man well spoken of by all the Jewish people, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. Finally, Job shunned evil. This characterization of Job was affirmed by the Lord himself when he said to Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Job chapter 1 and verse 8, the New Living Translation. In the end, Job was a man of God whose faith was revealed by the kind of life he lived, and thus he truly bore witness to angels and to men about what a person can be in Christ. If the book of Job were about you, how would the opening line read? Fill in the blanks of the next sentence. There was a, in the land of, who was, and, and who, God, and, evil. Steps bathed in cream. As Job struggled to come to terms with the calamity that befell him, he did think about his past life and how good it had been for him and how he had lived. Talking about the earlier days, Job said that in this time, my steps were bathed with cream. Job chapter 29 and verse 6, the New King James Version. For instance, in Job chapter 29 and verse 2, Job talked about the time that God has watched over me, the New King James Version. The Hebrew word for watched over comes from a common word used all through the Old Testament 
to talk about God's watch care for his people. Two examples are Psalms chapter 91 and verse 11, For he will command his angels in regard to you, to protect and defend and guard you in all your ways of obedience and service. And Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24, The Lord bless you and keep you, protect you, sustain you, and guard you. Beyond question, Job had the good life. The important thing, too, was that he knew that he had the good life. Listen to Job chapter 29, verses 8 through 17. What do these verses tell us about how others had viewed Job and how he treated those who were struggling? The young men saw me and hid themselves. The aged arose and stood respectfully. The princes stopped talking and put their hands on their mouths. The voices of the nobles were hushed, and their tongues stuck to the roof of their mouths. For when an ear heard my name mentioned, it called me happy and fortunate. And when an eye saw me, it testified for me approvingly, because I rescued the poor who cried for help, and the orphan who had no helper. The blessing of him who was about to perish came upon me, and I made the widow's heart sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind, and I was feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I investigated the case I did not know, and assured justice. And I smashed the jaws of the wicked, and snatched the prey from his teeth. In those verses, we heard just how much Job was respected. The phrase about his taking his seat in the open square, Job chapter 29 and verse 7, New King James Version, brings in the idea of some sort of local governance, of which Job was obviously a part. Such seats would usually be given to the senior and respected members of the society and among them, Job was highly esteemed. But we can see that even the lowest members of the society loved and respected him. The poor, the perishing, the blind, the widow, the fatherless, the lame, and the blind. Those who had not been blessed as Job had been blessed were the very ones to whom he gave aid and comfort. God has given in His Word a picture of a prosperous man, one whose life was in the truest sense a success, a man whom both heaven and earth delighted to honor. The author of those words is Ellen G. White in her book entitled Education on page 142. Verses like these and others, as you will hear, show why Job had been a very successful person in every way, both in the sight of men and of God. It's easy to be kind and respectful to the rich and the powerful and the famous. How, though, do you treat people who have nothing to offer you at all?
heart and eyes. At first glance, it could sound as if Job were bragging, as if Job were parading his holiness and virtue and good conduct before others. This attitude, of course, is precisely the kind that the Bible condemns in Matthew chapter 23. But that's not what was happening here with Job. Again, it is crucial to remember the context. He's being told that his past life, a life assumed to have been pretty evil, is the cause of his suffering. Job, meanwhile, knows that this simply cannot be true, and that nothing he had done made him deserve what had come upon him. So, he spends this time recounting the kind of life he lived, and the kind of person he was. Listen to Job chapter 31, verses 1 through 23. What else does Job say about how he lived before the calamities? I have made a covenant agreement with my eyes. How then could I gaze lustfully at a virgin? For what is the portion I would have from God above? And what heritage from the Almighty on high? Does not tragedy fall justly on the unjust? and disaster to those who work wickedness? Does not God see my ways, and count all my steps? If I have walked with falsehood, or if my foot has chased after deceit, oh, let him weigh me with accurate scales, and let God know my integrity. If my step has turned away from the way of God, or if my heart has covetously followed my eyes, or if any spot of guilt has stained my hands, then let me plant, and let another eat from the results of my labor, and let my crops be uprooted and ruined. If my heart has been enticed and I was made a fool by a woman, or if I have covetously lurked at my neighbor's door until his departure, let my wife grind meal like a bond slave for another man, and let others kneel down over her. For adultery is a heinous and lustful crime. Moreover, it would be a sin punishable by the judges, for it is a fire which consumes to Abaddon destruction, ruin, final torment, and illicit passion would burn and rage and uproot all my life's increase, destroying everything. If I have despised and rejected the claim of my male or female servants when they filed a complaint against me. What then could I do when God arises to judge me? When he calls me to account, what will I answer him? Did not he who made me in the womb make my servant? And did not the same one fashion us both in the womb? If I have withheld from the poor what they desired, or have caused the eyes of the widow to look in vain for relief, or have eaten my morsel of food alone, and did not share it with the orphan? But from my youth the orphan grew up with me as with a father, and from my mother's womb I have been the widow's guide. If I have seen anyone perish for lack of clothing, or any poor person without covering, if his loins have not thanked and blessed me for clothing them, and if he was not warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have lifted my hand against the orphan because 
I saw that the judges would be my help at the council gate, then let my shoulder fall away from its socket, and my arm be broken off at the elbow, for tragedy from God is a terror to me, and because of his majesty and exultation, I can do nothing nor endure facing him. Notice, too, that Job wasn't dealing only with his outward actions. The text, My heart followed my eyes, Job chapter 31 and verse 7, New American Standard Bible, shows that Job understood the deeper meaning of holiness, the deeper meaning of right and wrong and of God's law. Job apparently knew that God cares about the heart, about our thoughts, as well as our actions. Two other Old Testament and one New Testament examples are 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 17. You shall not covet, that is, selfishly desire and attempt to acquire your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28. But I say to you, that everyone who so much as looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Job knew that it was wrong to lust after a woman and not just to commit adultery with her. Again, what powerful evidence for the fact that knowledge of the true God had existed even before the Lord called the nation of Israel to be his covenant people and a witness of him. Listen to what Job said in Job chapter 31, verses 13, 14, and 15. Why is this message so important? If I have despised and rejected the claim of my male or female servants when they filed a complaint against me, what then could I do when God arises to judge me? When he calls me to account, what will I answer him? Did not he who made me in the womb make my servant? And did not the same one fashion us both in the womb? Here Job shows an amazing understanding, especially for his time, any time really, about the basic equality of all human beings. The ancient world was not a place where concepts of universal rights and universal laws were understood or followed. People groups thought of themselves as greater than and superior to others, and at times thought nothing of denying basic dignity and rights to others. Here, though, Job shows just how much he understands about human rights and that these rights originate in the God who made us. In some ways, Job was ahead of not only his time, but ours as well.
house on the rock. In Job 31, verses 24 through 34, what else can we learn about Job? If I have put my trust and confidence in gold, or have declared fine gold my hope and assurance, if I gloated and rejoiced because my wealth was great, and because my powerful hand alone had obtained so much, if I beheld the sun as an object of worship when it shone, or the moon going in its splendor, and my heart became secretly enticed by them, and my hand threw a kiss from my mouth in respect to them. This also would have been a heinous sin, calling for judgment, for I would have denied God above. Have I rejoiced at the destruction of the enemy who hated me, or exulted in malicious triumph when evil overtook him? No. I have not allowed my mouth to sin by cursing my enemy and asking for his life. I assure you, the men of my tent have said, Who can find one in need who has not been satisfied with his meat? The stranger has not lodged in the street, because I have opened my door to the traveler. Have I concealed my transgressions like Adam, or like other men, by hiding my wickedness in my bosom? Because I feared the great multitude, and the contempt of families terrified me, so that I kept silence, and did not acknowledge my sin, and did not go out of the door? No wonder the Lord said what he did about the life and character of Job. This is a man who clearly lived out his faith, a man whose works revealed the reality of his relationship with God. This, of course, made his complaint all the more bitter. Why was this happening to me? And, of course, it made the arguments of his friends as vain and hollow as they were. But there's a deeper and more important message that we can learn from the reality of Job's faithful and obedient life. Notice how closely the life he lived in the past was tied to how he responded to the tragedies that befell him later. It was not by chance or luck or sheer willpower that Job refused to curse God and die. Job chapter 2 verse 9 No. It was because all those years of faithfulness and obedience to God gave him the faith and character that enabled him to trust in the Lord, regardless of what happened to him. What do you hear in Matthew chapter 7, verses 22-27 through 27, that reveals the reason Job stayed faithful? Many will say to me on that day, when I judge them, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, and driven out demons in your name, and done many miracles in your name? And then I will declare to them publicly, I never knew you. Depart from me. You are banished from my presence, you who act wickedly, disregarding my commands. The key to Job's major victory here was found in all the smaller victories he had before. Another New Testament example is Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. He who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much, and he who is dishonest in a very little thing is also dishonest in much. It was his faithful adherences to right, without being willing to compromise, that made Job what he was. 
What we see in Job is an example of what the book of James says about the role of works in a life of faith. Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect? James chapter 2 and verse 22, New King James Version. What an important principle of the Christian life is revealed in that text. In the story of Job, we see this principle played out in a powerful way. Job was made of the same flesh and bone as you. Yet through the grace of God and his own diligent effort, he lived the life of faithful obedience to God. What choices would you need to make in order to live as faithfully as did Job? The Manifold Wisdom of God Earlier in the book of Job, amid the back and forth between the characters, Eliphaz the Temanite said to Job, Is it any pleasure to the Almighty that you are righteous? Or is it gain to him that you make your ways blameless? Job chapter 22 and verse 3, the New King James Version. That's a very ironic question, given what we know about what was happening behind the scenes in heaven. Yes, it is a pleasure to God if Job was righteous, and it was gain to him if Job lived blamelessly. And this is true not just with Job. The same goes for all of those who claim to be followers of the Lord. For you. Listen to Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. How do these words help answer the question that Eliphaz threw at Job? Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence, and recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The immediate issue in the book of Job was, would Job be faithful? Satan said he wouldn't. God said he would. Job's faithfulness, then, was definitely to God's advantage, at least in this specific battle with Satan. This story, though, is just a microcosm of bigger issues. The first angel's message tells us, in part, to give glory to God, Revelation chapter 14 and verse 7. And Jesus explained in Matthew 5 verse 16 that by our good works we can bring glory to God. This is what Job did. This is what you can do, too. Consider Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10. How is the principle expressed here revealed in the book of Job, but on a smaller scale? So now through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God in all its countless aspects might now be made known, revealing the mystery to the angelic rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. What we hear in this text, and in the book of Job, are expressions of the fact that God is working in the lives of his followers to change them for his glory into his own image.
the very image of God is to be reproduced in humanity. The honor of God, the honor of Christ, is involved in the perfection of the character of his people. Again, the writing of Ellen G. White in her classic, The Desire of Ages, page 671. The life of Job was an example of how human beings may reveal this principle, even though Job lived many thousands of years ago. God's people in every age have the privilege of living their lives in the same way as well. What in your life brings glory to God? What does your answer tell you about yourself and how you live? And what you might need to change? Let's continue exploring. Here are a few thoughts to ponder. The Protestant Reformation reclaimed the great truth of salvation by faith alone. This truth was first intimated by the word of the Creator back in Eden itself and then given fuller expression in the life of Abraham before being successively revealed in scriptures up through Paul. Three references for you to recap what I summarized. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. And I will put enmity, open hostility, between you and the woman, and Abraham your seed, offspring, and her seed. He shall fatally bruise your head, and you shall only bruise his heel. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. Then Abraham believed in, affirmed, trusted in, relied on, remained steadfast to the Lord, and he counted, credited it to him as righteousness, doing right in regard to God and man. Romans chapter 4 and verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed in, trusted, relied on God, and it was credited to his account as righteousness, right living, right standing with God. Yet, the truth of salvation by faith alone always included the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, not as the means of salvation, but as the expression of it. In the life and character of Job, we find a great example of what this work looks like, Theologians sometimes call this work sanctification, which means basically holiness. It is so significant in Scripture that we are told to strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, the English Standard Version. The basic meaning of sanctification is set apart for holy use. 
an idea seen, for example, when the Lord said to his covenant people, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 2, the New King James Version. Though the word and concept appears in various ways in both the Old and New Testament, it deals with what God does in us. It can be seen as a moral growth in goodness and toward goodness. It is, quote, a progressive process of moral change by the power of the Holy Spirit in cooperation with the human will, end quote. Handbook of SDA Theology, page 296. Though this work is something that only God can accomplish in us, we are not forced into sanctification any more than we are forced into justification. We give ourselves to the Lord, and the same Lord who justifies us by faith will also sanctify us as well, molding us as he did with Job, into the image of God, at least to whatever degree is possible this side of eternity. So Paul writes, My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19, the New King James Version. And Ellen G. White wrote, We can never equal the pattern, but we may imitate and resemble it according to our ability. The daily devotional is entitled, That I May Know Him. Those words are on page 265. Here are a few questions to consider. What choices can you make that will influence the degree to which the Lord can work in you? Only God can change the heart, but you must cooperate. What does that cooperation look like? How is it shown and demonstrated? Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, the New King James Version reads, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. How do these words help you understand what it means to live in faith and obedience? ambassadorgroup.org This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.